What is happening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you very much for tuning in to part two with Mr. Jeff Milburn. I want to thank John Speck for that opening ripping guitar rip. The guy's amazing, my favorite songwriter in Detroit. But if you tuned into part one, you got the foundation, Odessa, Texas, the oil fields, uh, motorcycles, rockabilly, a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, that driving and being a mechanic go hand in hand. They, they're, the evolution is together. And it's, it's amazing to me when we get to the nuts and bolts of how, how people get to where they got to. The road isn't always straight. And so in your life, you know, sometimes you can't see the end, but, you know, you got to keep going. You got to keep moving towards your passion, whatever that is. I don't even care what it is. If you love socks, be a sock maker. Do what you love and crazy, crazy doors open up. But let's get back to it with Jeff Milburn. You know, we were talking about racing. And I have to ask you about the NASCAR truck team, man. Um, when I was doing my research, uh, I noticed that uh, you raced some trucks. You, you have a, a hand in that? Yes, sir, I did. I um, I feel sort of... I feel humble about that because I, it wasn't it. I had no idea that that was going to happen in my life at all. That we would, I would get to that point. Like I said, I'd worked for other people and did things, and I got hurt pretty bad racing motorcycles. And as I was recovering from that and getting to walk again, I got a job as a crew chief on a very small road race team. And a guy that I knew that I raced motorcycles with said something about wanting to road race cars. So I was getting into a whole different world. And in the middle of that, I made pretty good friends with a guy named Moses Smith, who's still a close friend of mine today. He's one of the drivers that works for me on my teams when we're driving commercials and all. And he, he just was like, you know what, Jeff, if you want to, if you want to race professionally and you want to make money, your best bet is, is stock cars is NASCAR because you can actually build the chassis and hang the bodies in your shop. You have the if you want to use the word talent, I don't know if I want to call myself that talented, but he, he's like, you, you have what it takes to build those cars. And if, if I was going to stay in road racing and formula car racing, those, those tubs are mostly made in England or Europe and very costly and expensive. So he, he kind of, he kind of talked me into it in a way. And we, we went through a lot of discussion and research and I realized, yes, I can build these chassis and, uh, and these bodies, which is a lot of the labor of it. The problem being is they're not as simple as the world thinks they are. They're, they're, it's, it, it's the skill set that I had, no doubt, to build them. But man, to make those things go as fast as they go and to get them qualified takes so many more years of experience than I had. But I, I like, like we talked in the first segment, I met some people that were very, very talented and they, they felt the need to help me out and I did some things to help them out the best I could and we went I oh man it was it was the gauntlet to try to do that I had it, I was when it was happening I had no realization of how crazy it was when I look back on it, I'm like how did I even pull that off you know I'm I I had already bought the 18 wheeler and but I just don't know how I I bought the 18 wheeler before we went to NASCAR and if I would have had to put the team together right at the beginning of it. I don't know how it would have never happened. I just happened to have all the, I'd already paid the building off. And so I already had the race car and all I needed was the, was a whole lot of money that I did not have. I was not making that kind of money. So I gathered up a bunch of my friends from other racing 
different aspects of racing and we talked about it and they came to work for me and man it was it was rough it was when i look back on it i don't even i don't even know how it happened but it did and it was you know sleeping four hours a night and trying to build this these trucks because you have more than one we had three most of the time and um all these motors and people working for me and then trying to get the races and then at the same time i'm trying to go work on car commercials or i was working on the tv show prison break back then if i remember right and you know i'm trying to get to work and do oh man there was just so much going on it was just completely overwhelming that it was so overwhelming i didn't even know it was overwhelming it just it took me for a giant ride and it was the greatest thing in the world to do it for me that it, it happened and we qualified a bunch of races and I, I felt like the guys at nascar were so cool to us because we were literally the lowest of the lowest money teams there was in nascar's professional ranks in the top three you know there's there's some other series but for what we were running and we were just i don't even know how we were there when i look back on it, i don't know how we were there but it happened and it you know, <laughs> <laughs> and those guys are probably looking at you, going, "Man, that's they're, they're they can relate." I, I'll bet many of those guys could relate to what you were doing. A, a, the, a lot of the, the the crew members definitely they were really cool to us. I met one of the owners, a guy named Ed Renzi, who actually actually had used to be a CEO of McDonald's and had big money, big teams. And he came to the shop in Dallas, and he told me, he said, "Man." I, one, you shouldn't be doing this because you don't have the money to do it. Um, two, he had seen one of my camera cars sitting in the in the in the shop, and he's like, "You should just build more of those. You're going to make a lot more money." And I'm like, "Yeah, I want to do this." And he and I went to lunch, and he told me, he said, "You know, you actually have something that the fans are more interested in than I do. They don't care about myself and all these big money guys. They find out about you, they're going to, you know, they want to jump on the on the wave and." be fans of yours if you want to call it and he's like people like myself we should we should worry about you not that you're going to come out here and you know win every race and scorch the track because we just didn't have the money to compete like they did we competed but not to that level i guess you'd say but he said you get qualified and they're gonna the fans are gonna love it and he was right for a very short period of time we had fans and it was awesome you know and i it was just great. I don't even. I don't think we have enough time for me to blab on about it, you know. But it was. It was awesome. It was awesome to operate at that level. There's no doubt about it. I never would have envisioned it that I, that I would have owned the team and operated that level. Now working on somebody else's team, I did operate at that sort of level. But it being mine with my logos on the door, and you know, I got to decide everything. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, that's actually really cool, and we might have to do another show down the road and just talk about that. But I want to get into your stunt career. How did you even start? Uh, how did you get into that arena? Well, that's, you know, I get asked that question a million times, and I, I don't know if I have the exact answer. I, back when I raced motocross, I was, um, I had the shop in Dallas and had a lot of cars and motors houses and stuff we worked on, and people would ask to rent, say, one of my cool old Harley Davidsons or my hot rod or something at the time. And if then they were like, hey, can you do a little work on this and that? And next thing you know, I ended up uh, being asked to ride a motorcycle on a shoot. And I did. And um, they're like, man, you know, that, that that's this is working out good. And so then as a lot of car commercials get filmed around Texas, it 
seems like a lot. I don't know the exact number, but more than 60% of the car commercials seem to be filmed in Texas. So I would get asked to come out and drive and um, do things on music videos, you know, and I don't know, it just sort of progressed into that. And uh, since I had the experience of being able to handle a car and a motorcycle and I could drive an 18 wheeler, just it, there was nothing I, I, I couldn't drive. And I guess to that point, I, I, um, not to get into a whole nother thing, but I really wasn't in fear of not being able to do something. I pretty much knew I could do whatever somebody was going to ask me to do. And if it was something they, it was kind of goofy because people in the film world do like to ask some goofy things and you have to back them up and explain things. But, um, I, I just knew I, I had it covered and I never would have thought that I was going to be a stunt driver. I thought I was going to be a professional race car mechanic my whole life and get to race here and there. But um, it just morphed and it took years and years and years because it wasn't just one day I was working on a race team and the next day I was driving in movies or commercials. Because I worked on the Walker show towards the end of it a little bit. and I met some stunt coordinators and the stunt coordinators on different shows would tell other coordinators, hey, if you go to film something in around Texas or Louisiana, call this guy and it just kind of, it, you just go to work every time somebody calls you and you, and you don't make any mistakes. Cause the, it's almost like the first time you make a mistake, you're not going to get called again. So you just, just keep doing it. It's, I guess that's how to explain it. And, that, and it's not the sort of skill set that somebody just learns. I, that's what I realized really quick when I started meeting other guys, a lot of guys um, are from California. I'm very close friends with a lot of these guys. And like I said, my friend Moses and, um, everybody used to race, you know, there's every guy that, that works as much as I do in this field, they're all raced. And I think it, it takes that, that, uh, determination to get yourself to the racetrack is the same sort of thing you have to have and be comfortable. Once you get to the working on set, you can't let anything jar you or kind of, you can't give up. You can't say, Oh yeah, I don't really have time to do that today or something like that. Or you'd never make it in this business. So it's it kind of it helps i or not helps it's really what it takes the the not the the experience of racing professionally i think is really what it takes to become a stunt driver in my mind I, somebody might want to argue that but all the guys i know that are really good and work every day all all used to race are still race well and i think uh something we talked about in the first segment about professionalism uh in in the mechanic world that i'm sure plays a role in the stunt driver world, you know, uh, handling your business part of it, but then being that talent. And another uh, an amazing thing you bring to the table is that you can drive just about anything. They can, it's a one-stop shop, you know? That's, that's, that's how I, that's how I, that's, that is a giant stepping stone to get to where I'm at today. Because since I worked on someone else's race team and I had to drive their 18 wheeler all around the country. And then once I had my own team, I couldn't afford a driver at the beginning. So I drove my own 18 wheeler places. And so, and, and if you go back to when I was racing motorcycles and when I was a kid and raced my off-road car, I mean, I had to drive the truck with the trailer to the racetrack and I had to know how to back the truck and trailer up everywhere. And I had to be able to, you know, um, that, that's a skill set that people don't really realize, but, a lot of truck commercials, you have to back a big old giant trailer with something on it in places that people in production have no idea. Oh, that doesn't fit there. You know, you're like, no, it actually doesn't. But you have to, you know, they want you to take take after take after take, do take after take, and you have to back up and pull forward. And, back. and if you can't really 
handle yourself with a big trailer, you're not going to get very far in the in the truck commercial world. That's for sure. So it's the, these things that you had to do back when you were trying to crisscross the country and race in the small time and then the big time. And like in the NHRA, um, the way they parked the 18 wheelers there, whoever got to the track first and they were parked in order of your standings. Like if you were number three in the standings and number two and number four were already parked, you had to squeeze your 18 wheeler into this perfect spot. And it's one of those things that you learn really quick and learn not to hit anything else. So it, it is, it, it was a big, a big giant, um, stepping stone, knowing how to drive a lot of different things. And, and like most guys that do what I do, they're good with motorcycles and cars. And that's just kind of how it is. You know, well, I, it's, I've it, some crazy things in the film world, you know, I've driven some vehicles that were made in Germany that nothing was on the dashboard, they're military vehicles, nothing was written in English. And I don't, you know, you, you have to figure out how to drive this thing that you don't even know what all this stuff does, you know? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking back on that one time and that's, you don't want you don't want to mess up. You know, you want to put something in reverse when you think you're going forward. You know what I mean? Well, and you you bring up a great point, which uh, you know I'm sure our viewers would love to know. Is there any one race, one movie, one commercial, one event that stands out above any other uh, experiences in your life? Uh, you know, there's, there's. I hope this doesn't sound, I don't know, dumb, but there's so many things like that are just crazy that happened through this whole journey of my life since I was a kid, you know, but there, I loved working. I like working on shows when there's a bunch of us that are together, you know, some of those aren't as exciting, but a bunch of us that are tight knit friends, it's really nice to be with them. But I, uh, I mean, I could give you stories forever. I don't want to blab on about it, but I, I was, I was, I was thinking as you were saying that there was, I was working on a show where I had to run a big truck. It was a big old, you know, like giant box truck bigger than a UPS truck into, I had a T-bone the side of a van. And the way the story goes is this van is being, is transporting someone from a jail and there's police cars in front, police cars in back. And I come out of this intersection, this giant truck and, and hit the car. And I, I remember I'm telling this story cause it was one of those things that I didn't realize how hard the rest of my night was going to be. I thought the hard part of the night was going to be, and this was a whole night shoot was T-boning this van exactly right. And, course not hurting the guy riding driving the van everything going on okay and the storyline goes is a bunch of i don't know if they were good guys or bad guys jump out of the box truck that i'm in the big giant truck and there's a big firefight and they're they're gonna grab the person that's in this van i t-bone and there's an extraction as you want to call it and i do the t-bone and i'm thinking oh that went great everything's cool and i want to go sit down and collect myself for a second and drink a water and the stunt corner is like hey where are you going milburn you got you know, you got a lot more to do. And I'm like, what do you mean a lot more to do? He said, well, uh, the, there's this like kind of SUV that comes sliding in after this firefight and the guys that are still alive, grab the girl out of the van and throw her in this SUV and you drive off. And I thought, oh, that's not gonna be that bad. And then I realized it's nighttime. Everybody that is in this firefight in the story is wearing all black with black, you know, hoods over their face and black everything and there's, Every, it's a big wet down it's nighttime and they're showing me where I got to go. And there's just stunt guys laying everywhere. I mean, it, my perception was there was 40 stunt guys laying in the middle of the street and I got to come flying in in this SUV, pitch it sideways or so 
And then what stunt guys are left jump in this SUV with me and I take off and I'm thinking, I can't hardly see anybody. You know, there's guys laying around everywhere and, and they, they're doing the scenes of these guys getting shot. And I'm trying so hard to pay attention where everybody's falling. So they all go the same way. And I don't want anybody's arm hanging out where I got to go. And we, you know, we, everything is cool. We rehearse the thing, we do it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, you know, the hard part of the night is done. We've gotten this, this, I've we got this laid out. I come flying in the first time we do the take for real. They jump in the, the SUV with me and all these stunt guys have these fully automatic weapons that they've been firing because they're doing it all this one take. They all jump in the SUV with me and I got to like pay attention to what I'm doing when I leave so I don't run the guys over the lane on the ground. And these, I don't know if you've ever been around anything like an automatic weapon that's been fired a lot. They're red hot. So like four or five guys jump in this SUV with these long rifles that are just red hot and they're all close to my face. And I'm like, hey guys, don't get those things close to my face. I got to drive out of here. You know, I'm trying not to hit anybody and we're, and we're talking and there's a lot of screaming because, you know, they have to be like, go, go, go. When once everybody's in, because you know, I have to know everybody's in the car before I go. And it was, it wasn't nerve wracking, but I was like, man, this was a lot more work than the T-bone, the big accident that I did earlier, you know, and it was, that was one of those nights that I'm, I won't forget. And it wasn't a bad night at all. And it actually was great and everything was cool, but it was, it kept compounding added danger to it, I guess you would say, or complexity to the situation. Heck of an you know. adrenaline rush, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, it, it actually isn't. It's funny because I don't, um, I don't feel anything during stuff like that. You know, I just know I have to do my job. So it's not really, you know, so I'm telling these guys, okay, hold, you know, guys, hold your, hold your weapons away from my face so I can get out of here. Cause they're trying to pile in, you know, they're having to throw it. It's all part of this action and it all went smoothly as could be. But I recall thinking to myself, man, I thought the hard part of the night was the T-bone and the hard part was actually having to navigate this SUV through all these guys laying down. But I, you know, I did, I knew where they were. I wasn't going to run anybody over. I, I wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have set the gag up and I wouldn't have done it if there was any real danger to it. It's just, it, uh, it's funny. I don't feel any kind of adrenaline rush. I guess there isn't anything like that. I had more of an adrenaline rush. I don't know when you ask a girl out or something probably than I do doing all that, you know? Well, and I guess if you look at it as a job, you know, you have a task you got to complete and, and you're focused on that task. Uh, you know, I guess that could keep those emotions at bay anyway. Um, you know, we, this show goes so quick. We're coming down already to the last five minutes. But I wanted to ask you, uh, you're a stunt coordinator as well. Is there ever uh, an issue of you being a driver and separating your coordinator skills from, you know, driving for somebody else? Or, or do you get to chime in, like, if you think there might be a better way to do a scene or a commercial or something like that? Oh, well, personally, for myself, if I'm not the coordinator, which I mainly only coordinate car commercials, I've only coordinated one movie show in my life, um, full-length movie, and, uh, so when I'm not the coordinator, I do not, I, I listen to what I'm told to do. If I have a question or I, if I, if I have some question that I ask the question, but I try not, I try not to speak much because I know I'm being paid to drive the car, not to speak. Now there's a lot of times that a coordinator will ask my opinion. Like I, 
I might go work on a show that the coordinator is more of a fight coordinator or maybe he's more of a scuba guy or something. And um, it doesn't happen that often, but it happens. And he might say, hey, we got this, this scene. I hired you to come do this. What do you think? And I will on the side talk to him, but I try my absolute darndest never to, 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 to cross any line. When I'm working for someone, I'm, I'm, I'm signing the back of the check, not the front. You know, I don't, it's their, it's their show. They, they know what they want. And if there's something that I think might be unsafe, then I might say something. I've said that before. I've just said, Hey, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty close. Or, um, I might say something like, how about if we sneak up on it and not try to, you know, do this. But most of the time the coordinators know that too. You know, it's very rarely do you get a coordinator. that's just come in hot and do everything the first time. I mean, you get one of those here and there, but most guys understand that you're not going to, it's, you don't go, like I said, you don't go in guns a blazing. It's, it's very methodical what you're trying to do. Right on, right on. And the the shows that I like, like Ford versus Ferrari and baby driver and shows like that, since they're very heavy on automotive stuff, the stunt coordinators are almost always driver coordinators that are used to having a lot of drivers. So you just, you do what they tell you to do. And, and that's that, you know, how was, uh, Ford versus Ferrari? You know, I, uh, the show or the movie is set in the sixties and the cars I'm sure were, uh, as close to that, uh, ilk as you could. Was it difficult driving those cars? You know, actually, I didn't drive much in Ford versus Ferrari, but I, because uh, I went there thinking I was going to, I had a job for a couple of days, going to do some little scenes because there was, there was a bunch of guys that were kind of cast as certain people. Some were the sons of some of the original drivers and stuff. And um, Tony Hunt was the, the lead driver, lead characters, double. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, I went thinking I was going to drive for a couple of days. And what happened was uh, the stunt coordinator, um, great guy Robert Nagel um he had uh I guess pitched to have me do the the pit stop scenes because he knew I could do a pit stop that I had done pit stops for a living and I think the director and the DPs and the and of course the AD were all like well you know does this guy actually look like he's from the period it's a period piece he's got to look like this and it wasn't that <laughs> <laughs> I walk over there and I uh they, they thought I was just some actor, you know, and they walk up and Nagel's like, this is my stunt guy that can do the pit stops. And they're like, wait, this guy can actually do them. He is, can do them for real. And he's Nagel's like, he did pit stops in NASCAR. He can do pit stops and like, Oh, perfect. And I went to go work for three days and ended up staying for three months because they, it just worked out that way. And so, um, it was a great, great experience. I mean, I literally got to, it, I felt like I got in a time machine and I went backwards and I played myself in a movie. You know, it was just kind of, it was crazy because I, um, I guess your uh, listeners out there don't know, but I'm, I am pretty much stuck in 1965 or back in my, in my life. Everything in my house is 1965 or older. All my cars, the newest car I own is 1970. I mean, other than like my drift car and stuff I take to the track, but, um, I, I like that era and I like older looking stuff and stuff that was, I'm, I'm a big American made guy. So it was just, I was in heaven to do that whole movie for the most part it was, yeah, it was great it sounds like friends, it was great sounds like a great opportunity and and they were very lucky to have you as part of that you know we're gonna have to do another show we're gonna have to do another show jeff we just hit the tip of the iceberg brother um well, you, 
you know, if folks want to uh, see what you're doing, uh, I know Jeff-Milburn.com. Uh, they can check it out there. Is there any other way people can check out what you're doing? Heck, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i not that good with that sort of thing. I didn't make that website, but it, it looks really great. I got to give props to um, Victoria. She made the website. I I guess uh, you can go to IMDb. If, if anybody out there knows who that is, there's a website called IMDb, and you can look on there, and that that lists all the movies that I've worked on. Um, my website, I think, has a link to my Instagram account, but I'm I'm not that good with social media. But I do post some pictures on there. There's a lot of pictures of my personal cars in the shop. So cool, it's man. Tab on I am. I mean, I'm sorry on uh, Instagram. It's just Jeff Milburn on. Well, thank you again, sir. I'm sure we're gonna talk. Uh... On this show, I'm sure we're going to be back together. But And thank you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. I mean, check out the IMDb page. Check out jeff-milburn.com. There's so much more. I mean, there's a Dickies commercial. There's racing. There's so much more. So much more. So we're going to have to do this again. Jeff, thank you again, man. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Yeah. Well, and thank you guys, man. I'm Gerald Valley. That's Jeff Melbourne, and this is the drop in.